0: Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the topic of the worship of God. We can all attest to uh, the the challenges uh, that sometimes discussions of the worship of God bring up. Um, and as we have walked through this, the the goal has been, like all things, and as we've seen today, that. The scriptures are to order us. They are to guide us in how we are to worship God. In the scriptures is where God has revealed himself and his character. He has revealed how he is to be worshipped. And we are to follow his ways. Look with me at paragraph 5. And I apologize. I don't have the PowerPoint. But um, there are some extra sheets with it typed out over to the side. Paragraph 5 says The reading of the Scriptures, preaching, and hearing the Word of God, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in our hearts to the Lord, as also the administration of baptism and the Lord's Supper, are all parts of religious worship of God, to be formed in obedience to Him with understanding, faith, reverence, and godly fear. Moreover solemn humiliation with fastings and thanksgiving upon special occasions ought to be used in a holy and religious manner. <clears throat> Excuse me. We see a couple things here in this paragraph again uh, the the confession is not setting out truth for us it is a dissemination of uh, revealed truth in scripture. And in the scriptures we see what God has given to us to be vehicles of worship. So vehicles or elements of worship, I think I put in the kids' notes. Look at at this list. First of all, the reading of the Scriptures. We know that uh, the command of the Scriptures, Paul told Timothy, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture. Uh, He says, until I come... We're called, we are commanded to be reading the scriptures publicly in, a, in our corporate gathering. We're to be preaching the word. We're called to preach in season and out of season. And also we are to be listening to the word. One of my old professors at the Master's College has written a book, Expository Listening, and I think I've mentioned it before. But how do we listen to sermons? Are we actively engaged, not just passive? But then, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. This comes directly from Colossians 3.16. If you want to flip there, uh, we're going to refer to this a, a few different times, but Colossians three sixteen. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Notice that's a great uh, that's a direct uh, quotation put into paragraph five of the confession. How do we know what pleases God? That which is what he's revealed in his word. We know that it pleases him and we are called to use uh, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. But notice, we're to do that teaching and admonishing one another. That when we sing uh, in our modern culture, it's a personal experience, but that's not what God has commanded us to do when we gather corporately. Yes, there's an appropriate time for maybe a closing of eyes and stuff, but we also have to keep the focus that this is a corporate gathering, that when I'm singing, how I'm singing, I am encouraging the others around me. There might be a truth that I'm proclaiming that they need to hear, not just them singing, but they need to hear me sing as well, and God has given us psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Uh... You want to know the definitions of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? We don't exactly know. Everybody has their own opinion. Some people say, well, it's all, all three are different um, names for different types of psalms. Some would say a psalm is a psalm, a hymn is a hymn, and a spiritual song is something else. What we do see is that there are three different words that are used to show that it's not just one type of song, that there is a variance Again, we not uh, understanding the regular principle of worship. We don't just go out and do whatever. But we see that God's word orders us in the attitude and actions of all things. But even in the worship of God, we are teaching and admonishing one another in song. But in doing so, we are also singing with grace in our hearts to the Lord. So when we're singing, we're singing to one another and we're singing to the Lord. But notice the, the confession says, as also the administration of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Two other elements of the worship of God. Uh, the baptism of, of believers and the partaking of the Lord's Supper. We saw this in the example of the, the early church this morning. How they gathered for the breaking of bread. Again, the, the, the observance of the Lord's Supper. And then if you jump down to the end of the paragraph, it says, Solemn humiliation, fastings, and thanksgiving upon special occasions. They recognize that there's times. There's times for the the humiliation, meaning not standing somebody up here and making fun of them. This is a humili- humbling ourselves in a special way. With fastings and thanksgivings. That these happen upon special occasions. And they're They are to be used in appropriate ways in the worship of God. That God has given us those things. We see those pictures throughout Scripture. That God commands them, even times of sackcloth and ashes, to to show the outward sign of repentance. It is an act of worship. These are all different elements of worship. Do we see artistic dance? No. No. We don't. There are other things which often people will say, hey, this needs to be part of the service. And yet we don't see those things. They may be appropriate in other contexts, but not in the gathering and the worship of God as an assembly. I'm not saying that we can't do a particular art form as unto the Lord as worship. What we're talking about is in the corporate gathering, is not... Uh, how God has ordained it. But notice we see the elements of worship, but we also see the attitudes of worship. Uh, I, would, um, I would make a, a note here that when we see these attitudes, this is kind of a, a cross-section. Uh, I was blessed probably about probably a year, year and a half ago um, with my Bible software, I, I did a, a search uh, for all the, different, the, all the different psalms that have something to do with sing or music or something along that line and to see just what came up. And, and I was taken aback by how many varying emotions are tied with music, with the worship of God We see that it is to be done with grace in our hearts, recognizing that we are coming before the Lord completely of His grace. We don't have anything to come. So there's an attitude of humility in that. We're coming in obedience to Him, but we're to come with understanding. Psalm 47, I remember as we were reading through the Psalms, and I think Joel was reading that day, uh, that it just jumped out at me. It says to... to, um, To sing with knowledge. And I was like, wow, I've never heard that that way. And it's it's stuck with me since then. That when we're singing, as we're not just singing, but in all of the different ways that we're called to worship God, are we doing it with knowledge? Do we understand what we're doing? Do we understand why we're doing it? We're not just going through uh, the motions. We're to do it with faith. We're to give a sacrifice to God with full assurance of faith. But then we see more of the the inward focused of with reverence, with godly fear, with the humiliation. With whether that's a an adjective or what the, the noun of uh, the the picture of sackcloth and ashes, the picture of outward um, repentance and um, humility or if that is a, um, a describer word of how we are to worship, it could be taken either way. But the attitudes of worship we also see as we as we uh, we read in Psalm 95, let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation to come with Thanksgiving. We see in Psalm 100 various, um, things serve the Lord with gladness. Make a joyful shout, all you lands. Come with singing. Um, enter His gate with thanksgiving, and His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him, for His mercy endures. There's many different um, actions that are part of the worship of God, but they're are all done in the scope of they are God centered. Again, yes, the byproduct and joy, we experience the joy, but what are we to be joyful in? In the sound of the music? No. We're to be joyful in God and what He has done. We're to be thankful in God for what He has done. The byproduct is, yes, we understand and, and there is a, a, a an, the feeling of joy, but the, it must be placed and centered upon God, And that that is a time uh, that we need to continue to examine our own hearts. Why am I feeling joyful? Is it because I like this song or is it because of the truth that it it declares about God? And to be thinking and evaluating what our attitude is in this. Well, look at paragraph 6. Neither prayer nor any other part of religious worship is now under the gospel tied unto or made more acceptable by any place in which it is performed or towards which it is directed. But God is to be worshipped everywhere in spirit and in truth, as in private families daily and in secret each one by himself, so more solemnly is the public assemblies, which are not carelessly nor willfully to be neglected or forsaken, When God, by his word or providence, calls thereunto, I I think we live in a culture that we could misapply this if we're not careful. Notice the first part of that. Neither prayer nor any other part of religious worship is now under the gospel, tied unto or made more acceptable by any place in which it is performed. What they're saying is, when we gather here, it's not any more um, efficacious. It is not any more special than the worship of God in other places. And you have to think of the historical context in which this was written. They're coming out of the Catholic Church in which the, the sacraments and under the blessings of the priests, that was seen to be the holy place. In the old covenant, where was the worship of God to have been? How many times, think about it, the nation Israel is rebuked for setting up their own high places in all the different places. And yet we get into the new covenant in Christ. With the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we worship the Lord wherever we are. That is not, little asterisk, to downplay the gathering. But it is the expansion of what God has shown us, the beauty that we are called to worship him as families, to worship him as individuals, to worship him as a public assembly. And not one is more special than another. Each one of them has a great value. And the location of that can be anywhere. That, that's something that I remember um, as a, a young pastor, I went toe-to-toe with an old lady in the church. And... Um, It was not the wisest choice, but I picked at her words when she said, that is the sanctuary and that is the altar. And I said to her, that is not the sanctuary and that is not the altar in our church. Like, this is not the altar. And what happened is she had come from a Roman Catholic background. You had the altar where the priest stood. And even if you think about it, just a little side note, in the Catholic Mass, where does the priest stand? Between the sacraments and the people, as he is the one intercessing. That is why we pick up the elements and hold them in front of us, because it is not intercessing for the people, it is that you have direct access and it's these little things that we can, um, we can get stuck on. Well, we worship God in the sanctuary. When it comes down to it, this is just a building. Yes, there is the beauty of when we gather. But was the, the church after Pentecost any lesser of a church because they met in homes? No. And, and we don't want to elevate, but we also don't want to diminish there's this careful balance, and I think each of us tends one way or the other. We, we throw all things and say, it doesn't matter where I worship. No, we're called to gather. But also, the locale isn't as important. We have to find that appropriate. Because notice, paragraph 6 starts out with saying, let us not over-elevate this, but God is to be worshipped everywhere In spirit and in truth, as in private families daily, secret each one by himself, and so more solemnly in public assemblies. And then the warning, which are not carelessly nor willfully to be neglected or forsaken. The faithfulness of the worship of God in the gathering of saints is never to be neglected. As Hebrews 10.25 says, The writer of Hebrews is imploring the believers, don't forsake the assembling as some are in the habit of doing, he says. We see the beauty. We see the greatness that God has created as the church gathers. The church is not bound to a locale, but the blessing when we dwell together in unity, when we gather under the name of our great God. We can worship him together, but we are called not to just do that together, but in private and in our private families as well. The private family, the worship of private families, was so important to uh, the Church of Scotland that they created the Directory of Family Worship. How family worship was to be done, how they were to regulate, how they were to prepare their families for worship. They wrote a whole document that was to be put um, along with the confession to be a constant reminder. Because worship was not to just take place once a week or whenever the church gathered but it was to be on a regular basis in the homes. It was to be in our homes, Is to be privately in our homes and in the public assemblies. The faithfulness of worship is to always be continued. It's interesting how the Lord in all of His wisdom had our passage this morning and this topic tonight Uh, And has kind of just been weaving these things together. As we see the beauty of the assembly. But as we see that. I pray that the Lord would just develop in us a greater love. A love for the assembly. That our hearts would be overflowing in praise to the Lord. Again, Psalm 100. Or actually, 101, I will sing of mercy and justice to you, O Lord, I will sing praises. Is that true of us? Do we sing praises to him? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Lord, that you are a God who is worthy to be worshipped, and that you have also made a way that we can worship you in Christ. As we offer our sacrifices of praise, Lord, forgive us for when we are worshiping ourselves and not you. When we create idols, open our eyes that we may see those things that, that take away the glory from you. Cause us to, to love the, the beauty of the, uh, of the gathering of your saints to worship you. But Lord, I pray also that we would see how worshiping you takes place in so many different um, uh locales. Lord, that as we are reminded in, in Psalm 139 this morning, we can never flee from your presence. What a great comfort, what a great um, accountability that is. But no matter where uh, we are, uh, we can worship you. And Father, may we um, be the, the, the the fulfillment of Christ's words, that we would worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, help us, we pray. Lord, in Christ's name, amen.